Hello and welcome to Jocks of All Trades, a new podcast. I'm a host, Connor Lynch, with Tyus Welter here. What's up, Tyus? Also a host. Good to see you, Connor. Yeah, likewise over this Zoom world. Uh, so Tyus and I have spent many a nights just talking, shooting this shit, talking about anything under the moon. Uh, usually cover sports, politics, religion, pop culture, anything you can think of. Uh, and what we always get down to is some hypotheticals. So that's kind of the idea behind this is just talk about whatever's going on in the world and, and hopefully bring in some hypotheticals and some some fun things to talk about in relation to that. Awesome. Yeah, and, you know, we all grew up with big dreams. Uh, Connor and I really have always, since we were children, uh, wanted to be professional athletes um, or, or movie directors. Um, and so we've fallen short on those. So this is kind of our last-ditch effort to find some meaning in our lives. So so we're coming to you with this podcast. Um, and just really excited to, to talk uh, about, you know, random hypotheticals, sports, movies, anything in between. Um, so, I'm, so I think it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So for today... We're going to kind of cover uh, uh, week two of college football, uh, rest in peace, Queen Lizzie. Uh, we're going to cover the U.S. Open, some tennis action, uh, and then we're going to get into some movie talk and finally round it out with NFL, some some bets of the week, and then uh, our favorite segment, uh, just the hypothetical of the week. So we look forward to having you join us. I'm awesome. No, you're not, dude. Don't lie. I'm awesome. I'm driving around in my mom's ride. I'm awesome. A quarter of my life gone by, and I met all my friends online. All right, and before we get to our college football talk this evening, wanted to give you an introduction to our, our main sponsor here, and that is host Tyus Welter. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Tyus Welter. I'm 24 years old. I have never kissed Connor's mother, um, and I have also never forgotten the Alamo. Um, so I think that's all you need to know about me, um, but just want to introduce myself before we kind of go on a journey together. So now I'm going to kick it over to our other main sponsor for the evening, Connor Lynch. All right, Tyus. Well, that was a lovely start. Uh, I have kissed my mother. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we might agree on a lot of sports things, but that's one thing we can find some uh, some break in the relationship for. Um, I don't know why I'm bragging about kissing my mom, but yeah, my, name, <laughs> yes, my name's flex. Connor Lynch. Uh, Connor Lynch, I'm 25. Uh, recently graduated law school, big Chiefs fan, Mizzou fan, uh, and yeah, just excited to, to be doing this. All right, we're going to kick things off with a little college football talk. Uh, crazy weekend in college football over week two. Um, but probably the biggest news of the week is that Nebraska, Connor's second team, fired their beloved head coach, Scott Frost. Uh, so, Connor, in light of this, I think you had a hypothetical, correct? Yeah, so, you know, big talk in the Nebraska message boards is, is not whether it was time for him to go. Everybody thought it was. Um, but the question was, did they do it too soon? Uh, so here's the hypothetical for the week. What is something that you would not do uh, if you had, or you would, God damn it, I messed it up. <laughs> the question. All right, off to a hot start there on the hypothetical, but we're going to reset here. Here is the hypothetical for today's college football. What is something that you couldn't wait 20 days to do, even if it would cost you $8 million? Tyus, I'll let you start. 
Okay. Yeah. And $8 million is obviously more money than I'll ever see in my life. Um, Connor, you might get there someday, but this is, so that makes it tough for me. Um, but I think my first, I, I have a couple answers. My first is a frozen pizza after I take it out of the oven, just hot off the press. You're smelling the pepperoni, you're smelling the grease, and I'm just really hungry. No chance I'm making it 20 days. All the time I put it in my mouth, burn my mouth because I try to eat it too fast. That's my number one. Uh, number two, uh, the newest season of Ted Lasso. Uh, once it comes out, Top five show all time for me. I'm not waiting 20 days to watch that first episode. Um, sorry, $8 million, not worth it. Three, access to a bathroom. Um, I think this one kind of speaks for itself. Three weeks is a long time. I don't think anyone else uh, would want me to go 20 days without using the restroom. So it's $8 million. Uh, I'm willing to use the facilities at my leisure. Uh, and then finally, uh, the last thing I would not wait 20 days for, even if it cost me $8 million, uh, was paying a ransom for my firstborn son. Um, so to all you listeners out there, uh, all seven of you, uh, you know, maybe I'm giving away too much information, uh, but in 20 years, uh, when I have a son, hopefully, uh, maybe just write this down, you take him away, you know, I'll probably shell out that $8 million. So on the record, I will love my son. Uh, I think that's all for me. Uh, Connor, what about you? What were some of those things that you would, you would pay $8 million for to not have to wait 20 days? Yeah, so first off, the frozen pizza and Ted Lasso answers both resonated with me a lot. Um, but one of your answers was generally my number one answer. Mine's a little more specific, uh, and it had to do with your bathroom access. My number one answer is simply to shit. I don't think it would, you know, if I had to wait <laughs> 20 days to unload some of the things that go on in my body, it would be an absolute disaster. And some of that could be physical, like I have to do it. But you could not say a number in the world uh, that would get me to hold in, hold in some shit. Um, my number two answer, a little more wholesome here, just watching a big game of your favorite team. And for me, this mm -hmm. kind of get, made me, you know, distinguish between is this me as I am now getting an eight and a half million dollar check? Or is this me like Nebraska's athletic department having hundreds of millions of dollars and just having to let eight million go? Uh, and so, you know, maybe I could wait 20 days to watch a Chiefs playoff game. But if I had uh, no money now and I needed the $8 million, but if I had the money to dispose, uh, there's no way I could let that go. And my last answer is resisting any sexual advances from uh, Anadarmus. <laughs> no need to elaborate on that one. Um, but yeah, I think that that about rounds it out. Any thoughts on mine? Yeah. I, I was going to make a 20 hours joke about the, uh, about your restroom category, but after that, I'm at the RMS, uh, bit, I think 20 seconds might be the more appropriate joke to make. So, so I think, I think you're good there. Um, and, and totally agree with the, with the, with the football or, or big game from your team. Um, nothing worse, uh, than finding out the results the day after win or loss, loss just ruins removed. And then when you're just going to wish you had seen it the whole time. So, so I think that's great. And, and yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's hop into the, uh, the actual college football talk. As Tyus mentioned earlier, Nebraska is my second favorite team behind Mizzou. Dad's from Omaha. So I've grown up watching the Huskers. Uh, and I was too little to watch any of the glory days. So it's really been uh, a miserable journey, pretty much like any of my collegiate uh, fandom has been. But might be an all-time low this week coming off a 45-42 loss to Georgia Southern. 
Uh, I looked at halftime of that game, and the over-under for the game was 93 live points. So it was a shootout uh, in Lincoln, but they decided quickly thereafter to fire Scott Frost. And so Mickey Joseph, uh, who was another former Nebraska quarterback, takes over as interim coach. It'll be interesting to see what they do from there um, in terms of rehiring. I think they probably are going to have to make a splash. I've seen some stuff about Urban Meyer or Matt Rule uh, somewhere else. But, Tyus, I guess kind of the question I have for you from an objective point of view, one, would you have cut these $8 million to get rid of them early? And, two, what do you think Nebraska should do with their next hire? Yeah, uh, yeah, as an objective outsider uh, with no ties to Nebraska, uh, I have no idea why you wouldn't just wait the three weeks. Um, I mean – at this point, the season's it's the season is lost. You you lost to Georgia State. You were made a mockery of in the Northwestern game. You're not going to make a bowl. You haven't even played any of your Big Ten opponents yet. So I don't know why someone with with the prestige of Nebraska is still going to be able to make that splash hire like Scott Frost uh, ironically was uh, a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the three extra weeks um, of the of the cycle to to find a coach is really going to buy them. Um, that eight million dollars couldn't. Um, so I, I think that's dumb. As far as the coaching things uh, goes, I have a question for you, Bruiser. Um, would you rather have Urban Meyer um, shenanigans off the field issues at all, um, but you know he's going to be a good coach probably for college, or would you take the Matt Rule, the or even the kind of up and coming unknown lower level college football coach? Yeah, so that that's what's hard here. You know, everybody talks shit about the Bo Pelini era, just nine game after nine game, nine win after nine win season. Uh, and he was kind of a hothead, you know, had some some personality issues. But I think it's safe to say this has gone about as poorly as it could have since they decided to fire Bo Pelini. Went with Mike Riley, now Scott Frost. Everything is kind of, they've tried to get these good guys. Mike Riley was a renowned good guy. Scott Frost, Nebraska through and through. And it just hasn't worked. So personally, I would take the Urban Meyer. I don't like him. You know, actually, I do like him, but I, uh, I, I get where the baggage comes along with that. <laughs> I, I, I think you do just have to, to kind of suck it up and and try to make a splash there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, yeah. By that logic, they should probably just hire the worst person imaginable, imaginable to be the head coach, since the good guys aren't working. And uh, I can't think anybody more suited for that job than Urban Meyer. So I think we can pencil that in, lock it in. Your next Cornhuster coach, good yeah. old Urban Meyer. Let's lock it in. Okay, uh, but there's more news in college football, uh, and most importantly for us, in a week in which Nebraska seems to have reached its lowest point in program history, somehow, some way. Your University of Missouri Tigers have just slightly reached a, a point below them and, and continue to live in rock bottom. Uh, so following uh, a 42 to 12 loss to Kansas State, uh, might have got the numbers wrong on that, but it was a lot to a little. Connor, from someone who was there in Manhattan watching the game, uh, just share your thoughts on this, this horrible showing by, by Mizzou. Tyus, I've got to say this was maybe the most miserable live sporting event I've ever watched. And that comes from a guy who saw the Royals lose in Game 7 in person to the San Francisco Giants. I saw a 9-6 to six game between Mizzou and UConn. Uh, but this was the worst. I woke up at 5.30 in the morning, drove to the Little Apple, uh, tailgated in pouring rain, walked into the stadium, uh, 
got drenched in the stadium and just witnessed an absolute shit pumping. Uh, it was deflating on all accounts. I had no fun uh, until we went to the bars later that night. But on the football field, it was a disaster. I, I'm tired of seeing this year after year. We have absolutely no downfield offense. Everything is horizontal or, or a deep ball where God knows who, Brady Cook, Jack Abraham, is throwing it 10 yards long or 10 yards short. It was tough to watch. You can't even blame the rain. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not in good spirits about the Tigers. Uh, did the broadcast have anything different, shed any other lights onto that, Tyus? Uh, just that there are other channels and other things to ways to spend your Saturday is kind of my biggest takeaway. Um, but yet I still fall into the trap every year. We have a big game one, you know, the recurring cycles ticking up. Seems like we're heading in the right direction. Hope springs eternal. And then it's always week two and they always just kill me in the worst ways possible. Um, you brought up Jack Abraham and I know Brady cook kind of got hurt. Um, but I have never seen a player look more out of his league in more, for lack of a better term, like a little bitch than Jack Abraham did uh, in those like three plays he was on the field. The, the back-to-back interceptions and just like looked scared to throw it downfield, dumped it off and missed by like five feet. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I tr- I'm usually, you know, a silver lining guy, trying to see glass help, helpful. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to do that when Kansas State was probably one of the Easter games on our schedule this year, and we just got pounded by 30. Um, so my only prayer is that Luther Burden sticks around for next year. It doesn't leave the transfer portal. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I think that Abraham thing was kind of a microcosm of Mizzou. You know, it's everything's going wrong. And, oh, wait, maybe this second quarterback will be the answer. And immediately we realized that he wasn't. Just the, the epitome of that hope and then right back down to rock bottom. Um, I think the question I have, obviously hope Luther stays, hope the recruiting keeps up. Um, there's been a lot of talk about should drink be running the offense. What do you think about that? I think we both love drink as a recruiter, but do you think it's time to bring somebody else in to, to call plays and set up a better offense? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm, I'm hesitant. I, I really love drink and I really want them to be good. So I'm definitely biased. Um, but I just remember that first year when we were supposed to do nothing and we ended up going five and five and then all SEC schedule. I was just so impressed by his play calling, particularly late, uh, especially if you remember the Arkansas game and the LSU games. We needed big drives uh, to kind of come back and win. And he just had a plan. He was quick. Clock management was good. And, you know, all the plays get to the sideline, get some yards, and it just looked efficient, like a machine going. And I, I haven't felt that our offense looked that good since – Basilak, the last quarterback, got injured last year. And it's just been, frankly, limited. And so I wonder, you know, he tried to bring in, I think, every single quarterback that was in the transfer portal this offseason. And so I guess, like I said, silver lining guy, my hope is just that he has no trust in the quarterbacks on the team right now. And that once he feels confident in the quarterback, he's going to open it up by a lot. Um, but that might be a stretch. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I think it'll be interesting to see if Sam Horn pans out. I think he's probably the the best talent we have in that room. But as a as a freshman who didn't get to campus till the fall, I get not not running with him uh, from the get go. So it'll be interesting to see if we see him at all this season. Um, and I think the thing I've just been left sitting with here, I have no clue on on whether a different offensive coordinator will help. But I've kind of been trying to to reassess now my expectations for Mizzou this year. Going into it, I was like. 
trying to realistically picture an eight and four, a seven and five season. Uh, and after this, I'm trying to figure out what, what a realistic expectation is. Can we get to six wins? Would a five win season be good? What, what would you be happy with at this point? Yeah, it's, it's the same song and dance for me every year going into the season, you know, we're one year away from like really being able to compete for like that second or third spot in the SEC East. Like, so I wasn't expecting that. I was hoping for seven wins. If we got anything more than that, I would have been elated. If we got anything less than seven wins, I would have been disappointed, heartbroken. Uh, and then we lose tragically early. And I'm like, well, just get me to a bowl and I'll be, I'll be fat and happy. So I'm, I'm back there. Six wins works for me. Yep. I think I'm on the same spot. It'll be an interesting journey ahead. Um, but just to, uh, to keep the depression going, let's talk about another one of our, uh, of our favorite teams, the university of Notre Dame. So, yep, Connor, you're right. Uh, Notre Dame, the fight in Irish, uh, just four weeks after I moved to South Bend, um, experienced maybe the worst loss in program history, uh, as the eighth overall team in college football lose to unranked group of five Marshall, the thunder and herd, um, and so I guess, I don't know, you've been an Irish fan longer than I have, um, but I guess the thought is everyone's kind of heaping on Marcus Freeman. Um, and this is obviously he's yet to get a win as the coach of the Irish. Um, so we'll start there. Do you believe in him still? Do you think he's still the guy to lead Notre Dame back to the promised land? So I, I pride myself on being an astute observer of coaching talents. Um, and Marcus Freeman is a man who I think owns and commands a locker room. I think you saw the reaction when he got hired from the players and the rest of the school, the university. Everyone was so excited about it. I think most fans were super excited about it. Um, he kept Tommy Reese in the program. I think it was a lot of good things going on. I don't know if it's him or the players, but Notre Dame has never been known to be an explosive offense, but this has been by far the least explosive offense I've seen in Notre Dame that I can ever remember. So, you know, they really don't have a lot of talent outside. I think that could be going for it. I, similar to how we were talking about Drinkwitz, I think Marcus Freeman could be the guy. I want him to be the guy so bad. Uh, I think he's a really good guy, fun, energetic. Um, I think the jury's still out on whether he's, in terms of managing a football game, uh, the guy to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's no one in America that's more likable than Marcus Freeman. Uh, I think, like you said, just his charisma, his kind of command uh, of the team, uh, he, he inspires confidence in you. So so I'm still sticking with him. Um, I do think he looked a little rattled. I think a lot of the players looked pretty rattled um, towards the end of that game as kind of mistakes started piling up and, and they weren't going to come back. That concerns me. Um, but I also think the, the whole 0-3, first Notre Dame coach to go 0-3, uh, is unfair because two of his first three games were against top 10 teams. And so I guarantee no other Notre Dame coaches has experienced that granted Marshall terrible loss. He should get flack for that, but I don't think it's all sky is falling. Like, like some might, might lead you to believe, but my other question with this, because Notre Dame lost, obviously Nebraska lost to group of five school and Texas A&M, the sixth seed um, also lost to another Sunbelt team in Appalachian state. And so I'm sure you saw the videos of the people partying um, down in Boone County where Appalachian State is uh, and just kind of going crazy. So my question for you, Connor, uh, is beating a powerhouse school as a mid-major better or more exciting than winning the Natty as a Power 5 school? Oh, shit. That's a good question. 
Uh, I think obviously it depends on, on the power five school that you are. I think, uh, you know, the schools that haven't been there before, I think winning the Natty would definitely exceed just a one-off win against a, uh, uh, against a top team from mid major. But I, th- I think the people in Boone County or in, uh, Boone, North Carolina, uh, were probably more elated than Alabama has been in some of their recent championships for that one day. You know, uh, it's one of those things where part of being a great team and winning championships is that you come to expect it, and that takes away the thrill. Uh, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, any Marshall fans out there or Appalachian State fans really thought they had a chance, and that's that's the joy of sports. So I, I would say it kind of depends. Good answer to a hypothetical, yeah. right? It depends. <laughs> that's the content you're setting up for, folks. It could go either way, uh, but uh, I I agree. And I think I think the point you made about for a day is really important. Like I think that single day for Appalachian State fans, they probably had more fun, drank more natties than any Alabama fan did when they won the natty. Even uh, Georgia fans this past year who have gone thirty years of championship, I even think these Appalachian State fans would be more excited than them. Um, but I think if you win the national championship, it's kind of their residual joy is like waking up two months later and be like, oh shit, like we won the national championship. That's awesome. Uh, and I don't know if the mid-majors get that same kind of elongated buzz. So I, I would say that's the only thing, but just pure peak happiness. It's hard to see anyone ever being as happy as those Appalachian State fans were this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I, I might push back a little. You know, I still I hear Appalachian State. I think about the time they beat Michigan. So I think there's still some of that, the, the ties of the long lasting memories of, of that one big win. But I think those are some good points. And uh, I think that about wraps it up for college football. So like we mentioned earlier, uh, we'd like to take a quick moment of silence for the passing of Queen Elizabeth. All right, that was a good moment of silence, and we are on to our uh, our our hypothetical for the Queen Elizabeth talk today. Uh, the question here is basically, Tyus and I are going to go back and forth giving each other a name. And uh, the question is, would you trade the life of this person for Queen Elizabeth? Um, so I'll go ahead and get started. Tyus, would you trade the life of Joe Biden for Queen Elizabeth? Oh, getting political right off the start. Um, so I guess I got to factor in. So how long does Joe Biden have left as president? Two years. Um, and we're saying, sorry, just for the record, that we trade this person's life. Queen Elizabeth is back for as long as they would continue to be alive Um otherwise right yep yeah so if you traded for a baby you might get 80 more years of queen elizabeth um you know i'm gonna say you know all politics aside whatever whatever you think about biden whatever you think about politics um you cannot trade an american politician for a foreign politician that's what we fought world or the revolutionary war for america over england 10 days out of 10 keep me keep joe biden in office see you see you lizzie I think I'm with you. Joe Biden's just better content anyways. So <laughs> got that. All right. Hit me with one. Yes, totally. 
All right. Uh, sticking with kind of politics here, uh, it's interesting. That was your first one. Uh, would you trade Nancy Reagan's life to bring the queen back? Ooh, my head immediately goes to the question. Would Ronald and the queen still be lovers? <laughs> Who's to say they weren't already? Okay. All right. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, I don't know much about Nancy Reagan, to be honest with you. And I really don't know much about the queen. But I think generally the queen makes a lot of people really happy. And those people might be like crazy people. But I think that the happiness that uh, that the queen brings to a lot of people probably outweighs that in Nancy. So, yep, give me the queen over Nancy Reagan. Classic utilitarian move. Uh, respect. Respect. Yeah, yeah. I'm a man of the people. All right. My next one, uh, and I think this is where we, we might want to draw a distinction. Does the body of work that the person you'd be trading uh, remain intact? So but the person I have for you is Little Wayne. Little Wayne. And I think we should treat this as all of Little Wayne's music would still exist. But from this point forward, Little Wayne would cease to. Yeah, that that's a great question. Um I would say I think I'm going to keep Lil Wayne uh, for no other reason than I love Lil Wayne growing up, listened to a lot of his music in middle school. Um, and there's still always that kind of hint of hope in my mind that, you know, maybe he'll release one more album down the road. Uh, and I don't think you have that hope with Queen Elizabeth. Uh, certainly she's not dropping any mixtapes anytime soon. So I think keeping the hope alive, having something to look forward to uh, makes me want to keep Lil Wayne. Yeah, can you imagine a, a feature of Queen Elizabeth on a Lil Wayne track? Not the question, oh, but, but it would uh, it it would sell, I think. That do numbies for <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna keep it in house over in the UK. Uh, would you trade Daniel Radcliffe's life to bring back the Queen? Okay, this is another one where we're having to. Harry Potter doesn't go away. We've already got all the Harry Potters, so it's just from this point yep. forward. Yeah, um, yeah. Future body of work. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I would. I think I'm going to take the queen again. Daniel Radcliffe, it's the epitome of one of those guys where I'm never going to enjoy him in any other role besides Harry Potter. Uh, and I think the risk here, you know, is could there be any Harry Potter spinoffs? That would be the only risk. And I don't think there's anything in the in the works for that. Um Daniel Radcliffe, and he had been in anything else? I think there's that one like weird movie. Uh, can't even think of the name of it. Where like yeah, he's been in a couple. The new Sandra Bullock movie um, with Channing Tatum. He's in that. Um, didn't think it was anything special. Um, and yeah, I think it, for you readers of Harry Potter out there, uh, that latest play that J.K. Rowling released, uh, The Cursed Child, straight garbage. So if killing Daniel Radcliffe to bring out the Queen prevents that play for him becoming a movie i think it's a job well done and, and we're good to go okay yeah i feel better about my answer there all right and i'll give you my uh my third and final one here greta thunberg <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i'm gonna say no no she's what 18 years old yeah something like that might even be younger. okay yeah yeah Credit to me for not knowing how old Greta Thunberg is. Um, I don't see age. Um, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I keep talking. Uh, I, I, I'm keeping Greta. Uh, 
I think I'm over three on the queen. Uh, so I don't dislike the queen. I think she's cool, but I think just, you know, keeping life intact and preserving, you know, whatever career she may go on to in the future. I'm, I'm keeping Greta. Yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite. I've kept the queen both times. I would definitely, uh, keep the queen over Greta. So let's, uh, let's see what your last one for me is. Okay, this was this was my favorite one. I think this one's going to be the hardest for you. Would you trade Jackson Mahomes' life to bring the queen back, but on condition that Patrick Mahomes sits out a year from NFL from grief? Oof. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead immediately answer no with the condition. If if it means losing Patrick Mahomes for a quarter of any non preseason game. Jackson can stay. Um, now, if it doesn't mean <laughs> that Patrick Mahomes gets out, that that makes it a harder question. I think it's tough because I don't want Patrick to be sad. So I'm trying to figure out if losing Jackson would be a you know chip on the shoulder. Would he write Jackson on his cleats and then go like beast mode for a season? <laughs> you know, sixty touchdowns, or would it would it throw him for a loop and knock him off his game? Uh, I think family means a lot to Patrick, so I'm gonna go with uh, keeping Jackson Mahomes over the Queen, but not if not if it means we lose Patrick. I I am just cracking up imagining Patrick Mahomes doing like the the viral video of that sorority girl doing the TikTok dances while she's crying, doing that in the end zone just to commemorate his brother, just the sad oh, renegade yeah. all over the Las Vegas Raiders. Golly, well let's hope it doesn't come to that, um, but yeah. There's there's okay. queen. I, I, I have one more queen question for you, actually. Okay. Okay. So, little trivia for you. Uh, during the Queen's reign, the Cleveland Browns have had 59 starting quarterbacks. Can you guess what football team has had 54 starting quarterbacks in that same time frame? That's a that's a great question. Um. So it's got to be an old team. I can think of one that has gone through a lot recently. There's two that come to mind. The first two that come to mind, the Bears and the, the Broncos. But the Broncos had some more sustained quarterback in the olden years. The Bears had Jim McMahon. I don't know what else. I'll just go with the Bears. That's a great guess. Uh, I think the logic makes a lot of sense. Uh, but unfortunately, the answer is the Alabama Crimson Tide. So a team which automatically has to cycle through a quarterback every four years at the most has had fewer starting quarterbacks than the Cleveland Browns uh, during Queen Elizabeth's reign. All right, well, you just fisted me with a trick question there. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's actually wild. That is, uh, that's, a, that's a real uh, condemning of the Browns organization right there. Yeah, fists all around for, for everyone involved there. Um, yeah, so you know what, Browns should, continue to Brown. Uh, you know what I'd like you to look ahead. up for next week, Tyus? Um, yeah. Out of the Browns' 59 quarterbacks and the 54 Alabama quarterbacks, which group has more touchdowns in the NFL? That's a good question. Actually, I think what we should do for our next podcast is just power rank all 113 of the quarterbacks from the Browns in the in the, in the camera from that time. I think that'd be great content. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Our listeners would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Queen Talk. Queen, Queen, Queen. All right, we're going to move on to tennis talk. 
We just had the uh, the U.S. Open finish. Carlos Alcaraz, the champion at just 19 years old. Uh, but to kick off tennis talk, we're going to play a little game here. Uh, and the game is we're going to go back and forth saying things you might hear at a tennis match and in bed. So, Tyus, kick us off. All right. I know you said we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to give you two real quick because I think they tie together. Uh, so the first one is nothing's better than 15 love. Uh, and that's if you're R. Kelly or anyone associated with the Clinton family. Uh, the <laughs> second one is nothing's better than 40 love. Uh, and that's if you're Zach Wilson. Oh, geez. Those were those were good. Uh, I, I went down a different path. My first one is just, uh. I missed it. The zoom was cut off. Can you say that again? Okay, yeah. The uh, the first one was uh. <laughs> uh while the, while the zoom goes, our, our the uh, the second one I had, you know, you might hear from a fan. Is it in? Mm, nice, nice. Uh, I bet you've heard that a lot before too. Uh, our next one is a couple of ground strokes, and it was all over. I bet you've heard that one too. <laughs> um, this is one that would take a bit of a freaky tennis match for you to have to say, but foot fault. <laughs> I don't even know how that would be used in real tennis, but I'll allow it. Uh, next one, getting a little topical here. Uh, if you don't have the vaccine, then you're not allowed to enter. Shout out Djokovic. That is a good one. Good vaccine joke. Check that off the uh, the bingo card for the opening <laughs> podcast here. Um, all right, my next one. She's really good with both hands. The little two-handed stroke. Ah, very nice. Got to be versatile on that tennis course. Uh, my next one, uh, want to trade partners next time? That's a good one. I had, do you want to try doubles? So along the same lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, uh, the only other one I had was, looks like they're bringing out some fresh balls. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. I got two to close this out on here. Uh, first, I'm getting really sick of these deuces. <laughs> Nothing worse. <laughs> than a game that just keeps getting tied, going back and forth. Uh, I won't say anything more on that. Uh, and the last and final thing that you can say in tennis and also in bed. Uh, when is the ball boy getting here? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's just go ahead and, and jump into the actual tennis talk here. <laughs> uh, with number number one now in the world, Carlos Alcaraz. With that win, uh, Djokovic did not play, is no longer number one. Is this a Mickey Mouse championship? Is it a Mickey Mouse number one? What do you think? Uh, I don't think it's a Mickey Mouse championship um, because I think everyone that Alcaraz beat was like around his age or kind of in the up-and-coming generation. So I don't think the wins were like, oh, that was easy for him. I think, I think everyone he beat was good. So not Mickey Mouse. Um, I do think it's a Mickey Mouse number one. I think this is a classic case of if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Um, and so for the number one ranking, Djokovic is still alive. He's still a baller. Uh, so I think he still keeps the title until someone takes it from him. What do you think, Connor? 
Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree with you on all accounts. I think, you know, it's tough because it is in Djokovic's control whether he could be there or not. Uh, so in some in some ways you want to knock him. I also just hate that son of a bitch. I I, I hope he never plays again. I hope COVID gets worse and worse for the sole reason that Novak Djokovic would never be able to step foot on a tennis court again. Um, but uh, I think you're right. I think not a Mickey Mouse championship, great Grand Slam, but uh, he's he's not the true number one until he can go up against the best. Okay, and now we're going to slide into our movie segment. Uh, so every week on the podcast, we're going to try to talk about a different movie uh, and kind of the format for how we'll do this is we're going to start with a hypothetical, as we always do. We're not going to tell you what movie we're talking about, though, until after we're done analyzing the hypothetical. So as we're going through this, try to think in your head, what is this movie that we're talking about? A little guessing game for yourself uh, and give yourself a nice little pat on the back if you get it correct. Um, so our first hypothetical in our inaugural movie debate is, if a girl was really hot, but accused of murder, would you date her? So, Connor, would you like to take it away with the first answer to this question? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I think this one for me is is a little more cut and dry than I thought it would be when I when I started thinking about it. And to me, it just comes down to one question, and that's, was I dating her before she was accused of murder? Uh, you know, I feel like it's the age-old tale— you know, if, if your girlfriend got in a car accident and became a vegetable, would you still continue to date her? And, you know, the good guy in me says you got to stand by their side and support them. But, you know, would I actively seek out someone in, in a vegetable state to date? Probably not. So as that relates to the to the murder accusations, if she's already, you know, in the public eye, I'm not going to go hunting for some accused murderer it would probably steer clear <laughs> but if it was somebody i already had a relationship with I, I would probably stick with her at least through trial what about you okay no that's a good framework and i definitely went into this thinking that not dating going into the accusation but like flirty beforehand um oh. and so i guess my my first take is do we not live in a land of freedom uh where people are considered innocent until proven guilty um <laughs> So I think this is your classic, uh, to make an NFL analogy here, uh, it's like an all-pro receiver coming off an ACL injury. Um, kind of a, a huge risk-reward to go here, but under normal circumstances, I probably don't have the cap space to sign this receiver on my team. Probably not going to be able to get this girl to go out with me uh, in normal circumstances. So I think you take the shot um, and just kind of hope it pans out. Um, and so for two reasons. Number one, if she's innocent, I'd just look like an awesome, great dude. I stood by this girl in the face of, of, you know, unfair accusations. Uh, and two, if she's guilty, A, uh, the good Lord Jesus teaches us to take the beam out of our own eye before judging others for the splinter in theirs. Uh, just want to put that out there. Uh, and B, uh, if I'm stating this girl who, who murdered someone, I'll finally have someone to fight my battles for me, uh, which I never do. Um, so, for instance, let's say a waiter forgets my fry at Wendy's. Um, I can just go up to him and say, hey, bro, you hear about that triple homicide in Bear County last month? That was my girl. Uh, and fries around five minutes after that, 10 times out of 10. So, yes, I'm dating the girl. Um, I hope you listeners aren't reading too, into, into that too much. All right. I love it, Tyus. Uh, I, I think it's about time to unveil the movie we're talking about today. And that is, drumroll please, do 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 do
Where the Crawdads Sing. Where the Crawdads Sing. So this was one uh, uh, last Tuesday. I got roped into going to see it in theaters with my mom and sister and brother-in-law. Uh, the only thing I knew about it going in was that a lot of chicks like to read this book. So I know we're probably not talking to our target demographic here uh, under this podcast, so I won't bore you too long. But I was honestly super pleasantly surprised with the movie. I was really captivated and entertained the whole time. Uh, the main actress was Daisy Edgar Jones, which I believe this was her first real real movie, and I thought she did a good job. She's a pretty lady, uh, good actress. And yeah, so kind of like the hypothetical said, she was, was accused of murder, and you know, she had this this romance budding uh, that you know had gone into it, and and it was kind of through the trial and, and the circumstances that led to her potentially committing this murder in this trial. So it was captivating. It was like a murder mystery thriller set down in the in the the marshes of Carolina. So yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I, uh, as Tyus knows, as our listeners will get to know, I have a pretty uh, thorough movie rating system. And this came out as a 68 on the movie rating system. So pretty good. It, that's that's in the scale of I would recommend to others, but not necessarily a must watch. So yeah, that that's my, my quick review of Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. Uh, thanks for that review, Connor. That movie sounds great. Um, I would definitely be up for watching it. Uh, and speaking of things that we would be up for watching, uh, another segment we're going to do each week with our movie category is that both Connor and I are going to give one movie on the radar. So a movie that's coming out that we are excited to see and looking forward to. Um, so Connor, would you like to give us the first movie of the radar in Jacques of Altrey's history? Yes. So it's one that I am very excited about. The name of this movie is The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Uh, I just got done reading the book Ooh. that it's about. It's a memoir about this this guy from New York who had been just finished serving in the military, uh, and it's during the Vietnam War. He's got a bunch of friends still in Vietnam serving, and he goes on this beer run to bring all of his buddies from the neighborhood American beer to show his support for them. Uh, and, and it obviously gets crazy enough to write a book and make a movie about it, uh, but it's an awesome story, and it's got Zac Efron, Russell Crowe, and Bill Murray. So I think it comes out September 30th on Apple TV, uh, and I'm definitely going to be glued in to uh, to watching that the day it comes out. What's yours? I like it, Connor. Uh, and if any of our Where the Crawdad Seems demographic uh, listeners are still on the horn, um, do you guys hear that he read that book and watched the movie? Ladies, get you a man that can do both, just like Connor. Uh, my movie on the radar this week is Amsterdam. Uh, and so the premise is it's set in the 30s, follows three friends who witness a murder, become suspects themselves, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. And that's not me telling you that, that's IMDB, so you know it's gonna be good. Um, but the real reason this sticks out to me is actually the cast. And I'm not normally an actor-driven guy. Um, some of my favorite movies are Jojo Rabbit and Parasite, don't have kind of the big name actor or actress to kind of draw the movie or drive the movie through. Um, but in this case, the cast is just so outrageous um, that I have to share it with you. So I'm going to read you some names uh, and just give me your reaction here, Connor. We got Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, son of Denzel, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, Mike Myers, Chris Rock, Taylor Swift, and Robert De Niro. 
There could be a movie of these people eating food in silence, and I would watch it. So mark me down for Amsterdam. I'm in. Yeah, I. Uh, there could be a movie with just Margot Robbie eating food in silence, and I'd be in. So uh, <laughs> you definitely convinced me. Yeah, I think that sells it. All right, and that's uh, movies on our radar. Well, if you like chocolate cake um, and you eat a piece, uh, and then you have one dangled in front of your face, you're probably going to want to eat that too. Not much is going to stop you. So, I mean, that's how that's how you feel about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's uh, that that is the chocolate cake with the ultimate frosting, and then uh, you, you need to you're going to try to go get it if you can. You know, that's all right. We are on to our last real segment here. It's the NFL. Uh, big week one for my Kansas City Chiefs. I am on cloud nine. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are just on the biggest fuck you tour to the world here. Uh, <laughs> evidenced by the fact that it's fourth quarter up like 30 and still airing the ball out, still passing the ball downfield, racking up yards. Patrick Mahomes, 360 something yards, I think, five touchdowns, no picks, just an absolute clinic. Uh, Tyreek Hill was nowhere to be found and nowhere to be needed. Uh, this <laughs> offense has looked as good as it's looked. And Patrick Mahomes is four years. So I am super excited about that. Uh, Cardinals are missing some guys. I'm, I'm not going to act like this was, you know, a huge win against a great team. But uh, it's Andy Reid coming off a bye and a season-long bye at that. Just automatic dubs uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, sky's the limit. I, I threw down a $100 future bet, 10 to 1, uh, for them to win the Super Bowl right before this week started. So So feeling good about that. I think something's different. I'm really excited. Um, and yeah, I think that the biggest question will be secondary. Uh, we had Trent McDuffie got hurt, uh, some thin, thin at the cornerback position, but, uh, overall I'm really excited. Uh, Tyus, our residence Eagles fan. What were your thoughts on week one? Yeah, for better or for worse. And, uh, just one quick point on the Super Bowl. Um, if the chiefs do make it week before pro ball would be a bye. So so I think that future would be looking nice for you in that case. Um, feeling good about the Eagles. Uh, I think we learned A.J. Brown is that guy, is him. He's built different, all of the above, uh, 155 yards. Uh, he's been the receiver that our team has been missing. Uh, Going to bring up Justin Rager, or Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager, uh, blocking that out of my memory. But we have A.J. Brown now. Life is good. Devontae Smith, quiet game, but I'm still really high on him. So, Feeling really good about the offense, um, even though Hurts, I think, are still there. I think that his accuracy was kind of still a bit of a question. Um, and I think he's still lying on his legs too much, even though it worked very well. Um, but we have an easy schedule, and so I'm cautiously optimistic there. Defense giving up 35 points is definitely concerning, especially when we're playing the Blacks. Um, I do think part of that is we were up 17. We were playing the Lions, just needed to keep the lead. Um I think if that was a closer game, they probably would have stopped some of those drives. Um, but yeah, I, I think playoffs are the limit here. We're in an easy division. Uh, and I'm uh, everything that Mizzou football took away from me this weekend, the Eagles gave back to me on Sunday. So, so I'm excited uh, without Andy Reid even. Yeah. Yeah. A couple things. I had Eagles minus five and a half. So that lackadaisical defense in the fourth, not, not good for us betters. And you know what they always say, good teams win, but great teams cover. So Chiefs, great. Eagles, good. think that checks out. And, uh, yeah, I think the NFC East is, is open for the, for the taking here. So 
uh, we'll see. Hopefully come, come January, we'll have two playoff teams to talk about, but that's a, uh, that's a, that's a long ways away. So. So that was Eagles and Chiefs talk. Uh, and so another segment we're going to do in our little NFL rundowns each week is the biggest surprise. So this is a team that surprised you way or a bad way. Uh, so I can go ahead and kick this off, this thing off. Um, and this week's biggest surprise for me was the Monday night game. It was the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I know options were high with Russ coming back, um, but I thought Geno Smith looked awesome, um, or at least capable. Um, and compared to kind of the reports that were coming out, anyone that's in the uh, quarterback battle with Drew Locke definitely has to raise some questions. Um, but he came out uh, and he ain't right back to anyone. And so I think, I think he's going to be at least, you know, a capable starter this year. Uh, and obviously the Seahawks benefited from some turnover luck, stopping the Broncos short on the goal line a couple times. So I don't think they're actually good. I just thought they would get demolished this game, uh, came out of it with a win. So they're my biggest surprise. Connor, who's yours? Yeah, yeah. That first half of offense for the Seahawks was was pretty flawless, and I was, I was shocked to see that. So that's a, that's a good answer. Mine uh, for week one was the Cincinnati Bengals. And part of me might be the, the Chiefs fan here Ooh. that, uh, you know, still a little butthurt about that AFC championship. But I think a lot of people were coming in thinking the Bengals, you know, were, were a real contender for the AFC. And they've got a great quarterback. They've got Jamar Chase. They can they can strike lightning again. I'm not ruling them out by any means. But I think they showed almost no improvement in, in their biggest weak spots last year, and that was mostly the offensive line. Joe Burrow was just getting pummeled all day long caused them to throw four or have four turnovers for the, I don't, I think they might've all been interceptions, but they just did not look up for the task to, to play hard nose football for 18 games. Um, and that division overall, I think will be super improved. If Lamar Jackson stays healthy, the Ravens looked really good. Um, so I kind of went into week one thinking the Bengals were going to be a tough team to beat. Um, and perhaps foolishly now I, I kind of just have them in the, in the midst of everything amongst the AFC. So that was a, a an underwhelming surprise there. But I think that's going to kick us off to our next little bit. We're going to do this weekly with the NFL. Uh, so Tyus and I have the season uh, win total lines for over-under. So this is going to be the season total showdown. Um, each week, we're going to be forced to lock in an over or an under from the AFC and the NFC. Uh, so one team each. And we're stuck with that uh, for the rest of the year. And we're going to see how uh, throughout the season we do. So... I can go ahead and get things started. For the AFC, the one I'm going to lock in week one is the Bills over, I believe the line was 11 and a half. Uh, 11 and a half wins. They looked unreal. The The Rams are one of the tougher games on their schedule, and they steamrolled them. I don't see any way where the Bills don't get to 12 wins. The Patriots look bad. Uh, the Jets are bad. So I think that's an easy division, and they should get to 12 wins. Uh, and for the NFC, I'm going to do another over, a team that I've been high on for years, led by, uh, you know, uh, I think widely held top five quarterback in the league, Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Vikings offense no. just looked good. They finally got that cancer Mike Zimmer out out of the locker room. Uh, Kevin O'Connell seemed to open up the offense, uh, not just do dump downs, but, but really stretch the field. And uh, that line's only nine and a half. So I've got Bills over 11 and a half and Vikings over nine and a half. Tyus, what about you? Yeah, I, I like those picks. Uh, I think it's hard to see the Bills one game, one game the way they uh, Thursday night, let alone six. Um, and I think, yeah, the Vikings, 
Kirk Cook is going to be the motto, the mantra this year. Um, so I think just uh, Kevin O'Connell needs to bring some Reynolds wrap to the sideline, keep that grill from getting messy, and let Kirk Cook all over the gridiron. Uh, my teams for the over-under uh, to start in the AFC, I'm going to start with the Dolphins. Uh, just a great showing against the Patriots. Kind of felt like a changing of the guard. Um, I know the Patriots are always struggle with the Dolphins, but another new head coach down there, Mike McDaniel. Uh, Tua still kind of had his problems, but looked, again, improved. Looked like he was able to put take the ball where it needs to be. Uh, Tyreek Hill looked awesome, too. I think that's going to look end up being a win-win trade for the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Uh, and their line is o- only at eight and a half wins. So they just need to be a little bit better than 500. So many Dolphins over. Don't think twice about it. My NFC team uh, is... Pretty celebratory. Uh, it's the boys under nine and a half wins. Uh, Dax for a few weeks. They looked bad even when he was in. And as an Eagles fan, I just win any game on 10. Uh, so they're going to be under for me all the way. Anyways, this is a good excuse. Cowboys bury them. They're dead. Yeah, I'm glad we at least got one under there between the four of us. Uh, not just <laughs> stick to the optimistic uh, NFL we have but I, I think the Dolphins is a bit suspect I could see that going either way I, I stayed away from them this early want to see some more out of that but uh, the Cowboys I think is a great pick there's 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 no way that that monstrosity of a team can can rattle off a 10-win season so there you have it no way. no way that's uh that's week one <laughs> of the season total showdown all right, and we're going to transition to our next hypothetical. Uh, this is going to be a regular hypothetical on our show, but not always going to fall within the NFL category. Uh, lots of you probably heard this before. Uh, it's going to be a little Mount Rushmore season. And we know other podcasts, other people have done Mount Rushmore before. Uh, we're not being original with this. We just think they're really fun uh, and are going to do our best with them. Um, so don't desist us. Don't sue us. Uh, I already spent all my $8 million on getting my firstborn back, so so it's not worth it for you. Uh, but we are going to start off with the Mount Rushmore. And our Mount Rushmore for this week for the NFL theme is going to be NFL coaches that you would want to be your dad. Um, Connor, uh, we're going to go ahead and snake draft this. So to decide first pick, uh, we're going to do a nice old-fashioned coin toss, uh, electronically generated. Uh, so would you like to send in your pick? Yeah, I'll take heads. Big mistake. All right. Maybe I want to line it up. It's flipping. It's flipping. Ah, it is heads. Okay. Devastating. All right. I uh, personally, I think there's a clear one, one here. So I'm going to jump right into it. I'm going to take Mr. John Harbaugh. Great guy. He seems like an electric factory. Uh, But I think the real, the real plus to this is Thanksgiving dinners. When you're sitting at a table, you got Uncle John, and then you got Tom Crean at the table. You can just shoot the shit, talk about sports. He's a good coach, good guy, uh, and and just an all-time good family. So I'm taking John Harbaugh 1-1. I like it. Uh, he wasn't on my list, but after hearing the Thanksgiving point, um, Jim Harbaugh would have been my 1-1 if any coach was included. So I, I like it. Safe pick. Can't go wrong with John Harbaugh. My first pick then, I'm going to stay within the AFC. I'm going to go Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. Um, And so I have two main reasons for this. Number one, he's good-looking and a former NFL player. uh, So that's going to be good genes for me. 
uh, and Lord knows I'm in need of as many of those as I can get. Um, so that's number one. And number two, uh, I am an oldest son. Uh, and so as an oldest son, it's nice that if he wins school, I will never have challengers to be his heir. Uh, and just so a little job security there for me, uh, I think is a good reason for Mike Vrabel to be my number one on the Mount Rushmore of coaches that I want to be my dad. Second up, uh, I'm going to, did you have something to add, Connor? Yeah, I had Vrabel high on my list. He was number three. I got pretty much all my information from Wikipedia pages, and it said on there that he uh, got caught stealing eight bottles of beer from an Indian casino. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> any great father has great stories to learn from. So I think Vrabel's probably chock full of them after reading that. Yeah, yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Classic dad line. Mike Vrabel would be able to use that for sure. Yep. Uh, my next pick is also a Mike. I uh, don't know what that says about me. My dad's name is not Mike, um, but I'm going with Mike Tomlin, coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's a player's coach, right? As you saw, he bought everyone Air Force Ones before week one. Um, so, you know, Christmas would just be electric uh, with him at the helm. Uh, number two, I think he's known for his pump-up speeches. And I feel like he would just give the best pump-up speeches at breakfast. They'd be sensational. I'd start my day always fired up, just ready to just attack day. Um, I just think that's something I could use in my life. Uh, so that's my other reason for my Tomlin. And then lastly, I think just a little case study. Look at Antonio Brown when he was on the Steelers versus Antonio Brown afterwards. Um, I think that shows you just Mike Tomlin's ability to manage manage people. I rest my case. Yeah, another good pick. I had, I had him on my radar as well. Um, but I'll go ahead and jump into my second pick. And I'm going to preface this knowing that there's there's some major red flags here, but it's somebody that I can't let slip any further. And that's Mr. Andy Reid. Uh, yep. You know, he's had some issues with his sons. Britt Reid, DUI charge, killed a little kid or something like that. We don't like to think about that. We like to think about the big, loving guy who's going to take you for a celebratory cheeseburger after every game. He's going to take you on those fun, you know, dessert runs, burger runs, whatever it may be. Uh, and on top of that, beach vacations. The dude loves Hawaiian shirts. He loves going to the beach. I think living a life with Andy Reid as your dad would be would be a gym. My second one, again, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, just to interject. Yeah. yeah I, uh, one of my favorite memories of sports growing up, uh, I was playing a baseball game once, one of my first travel league game teams, uh, and I made this, like, not to brag, but sick over-the-head catch uh, from second base. Uh, and my dad just stopped by a Dairy Queen on the way home. He's like, hey, that was a cool catch. Get a blizzard. And I just feel like, and that just felt so cool. And so I think Andy Reid, that's every day with him as your dad uh, with cheeseburger. So I love it. Um, can't go wrong with him. Oh, yeah. And just drawing up, you know, crazy plays in the backyard. Uh, there, there's a <laughs> lot of things that, that would be awesome with Andy Reid as your dad. Uh, my third pick, I'm going to stick with the AFC. All three of mine have been AFC coaches so far. And I'm going to go Sean McDermott. First off, he's a great coach. Ooh. But the things that really, uh, you know, intrigue me about him, I mentioned earlier my dad's from Omaha. Sean McDermott's from Omaha. My dad is super Irish. Sean McDermott is super Irish. My dad likes beer, and so does Sean McDermott. I love my dad, and I can't see why I wouldn't love Sean McDermott. Love that. Great pick. Uh, I'm going to take our first NFC uh, coach actually here. And I'm going to go, I think this might be a little contentious. I'm going to go with the man, Dan Campbell, uh, as my next pick for for Mount Rushmore of Dads. Uh, First reason, 
I know for a fact he tell me he loses me a day. Um, I think that's just a huge tally uh, for him, a huge check mark. And then I think I, the other reason is I'd always win any my dad can beat up your dad arguments. And I think that's just a valuable uh, ace to have up your sleeve if you're if you're a young kid growing up on the playground. So Dan Campbell's my pick. Yeah, uh, he's a little the- a little crazy though. You know, I I you never know what to expect with your dad. You might come home to some 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 rage, but I, I like the pick. <laughs> yeah, some rage for sure. But you know, sometimes you just need someone to light a fire under your ass, and Dan Campbell's the guy to do that. Uh, so he's my third pick. Uh, and to close out my Mount Rushmore coaches, I want to be my dad. I'm going to go with Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders. Uh, and this is just kind of a feel pick. He just feels like a good dad. I think I'd want to make him proud so bad. Um, and so I just think he he would be great for that. Uh, and then finally, uh, he beat cancer. So you know he has a strong immune system. Kind of going back to my genes argument from before. Um, how can you not love Ron Rivera? Riverboat Ron. Okay, that is a, a great pick. And it's crazy because my last pick is another cancer survivor. And that's Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley of the Chargers Whoa. didn't know that, and Wikipedia could have lied to me, but it said that he he beat <laughs> cancer. Uh, so that's one knock, like you said. You know, good immune system. Again, good good story to to give you some inspiration. But the thing that really stood out to me about him was just going forward on fourth downs. And when I think about dads, I think about just watching games and having dads just yell at the TV. And you know, it's either you should go for it or just kick the field goal. Uh, but I think just having a dad that is so passionate about going forward on fourth downs is is a good dad to have. So uh, so in summary, I had John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Sean McDermott, and Brandon Staley. Tyus, who were your four? I had, so I had three in my top four. I had Mike Frable, Mike Tomlin, Dan Campbell, and then Ron yeah, I think it's a good match. I think we've got we've got good some competitors. We'll have to have our listeners uh, give us some feedback on who they think has a better lineup there. All right, our last thing we're going to do each week for sports is a game we're going to call Tail or Fade. So I'm going to give Tyus three bets for the upcoming week I like, and he's going to just decide if he wants to tail those bets or if he's going to fade those bets. So my first one, we've got... Packers-Bears, and I'm going to take Bears plus 10. Uh, Packers looked bad. Bears' defense looked good. It was tough in the rain, but I, I just think Bears will keep it close. Tyus? I'm going to fade this one, I think. Uh, Packers, the last two years, have struggled week one pretty mightily. I think they have a history of making statements against the Bears. I think Rodgers is going to need to make one this week. Uh, I'm going to fade. Yeah, I like the Packers there. All right. The, uh, the next one I got is another NFL one. We've got Rams-Falcons, uh, and I'm going with the total on this one. The line is 47, and I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. Neither offense looked great, but neither did ne- either defense. Uh, I think the Rams will come out firing a little bit more, uh, and I, I trust Mariota to put up enough to get this over. As well, Falcons were almost my surprise of the week. Uh, I thought Mariota looked very confident as a quarterback. Uh, I think the Rams will rebound. Uh, yeah, give me the over. Love it. All right. And our tiebreaker here to see if you tailor fade me for the week. Going to the college game, a team that I have been on both weeks so far 
uh, and that is the USC Trojans. They're going up against Fresno State, and they are 12.5-point favorites. This one was tough for me. I wanted to take the over because I watched Fresno State last week. Their offense looked good, uh, but the line was 73.5. That was too many points for my blood. So I'm going to stick with the Trojans. They've looked awesome. Uh, lay in 12.5. Just like our coin cost uh, from before, I'm going to go tails. Uh, I like it. I think USC is really good, especially on offense with Lincoln Riley. I admittedly don't know a ton about Fresno State, so maybe I'm going to look stupid after this. But, yeah, I like it. Take the Trojans. If you look tailing. stupid, we'll both look stupid. So there we have it. Uh, tail, Tyus is tailing. USC minus 12 and a half and the over and Rams Falcons, but he's fading me on Bears plus 10. We will track these bets all season and see, and uh, hey, see how we do. I, I was going to say, hey, if we if we both cared about looking stupid together, we would not even be doing this podcast in the first place. So so that's fine by me. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a point there, Ty. All right, and that's tail or fade. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. All right, and we are on to our final, final, final segment. That is our hypothetical of the week. So this is one that you know I've or I've gone back and forth with with friends a lot over the days. And here is the question: If you lived in the middle of nowhere, and you could only have four establishments in your little town, uh, and to get anywhere else to any other establishment, you had to make a full day trip of it. So let's say 12 hours there, 12 hours back. What four establishments would you want in your town? Make sense? Okay. Totally. Um, so I have a couple of questions just before we get into this. Uh, number one, do I need to have a job still or is money taken care of for me? Um, great question. You, you, are busy nine to five and you make a salary, but you don't need your, one of your establishments to be, uh, like one of your places of employment. Okay. Okay. Great. And then other question, do we assume that I have like basic utilities at my house? So like I have internet, I have cable. Yep. I have like, okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, my first answer then is going to be a post office. Um, and I think this might be a, a cheating answer. So tell me if I'm wrong, but if I have to travel 12 hours skin anywhere, who's stopping me from just shipping something in and ordering something online on Amazon. So if I get a post office in my little town that opens up a world of possibilities for me, is that legal? Uh, great answer. I'm going to say, no, it's no legal in this world. You cannot have anything delivered. So you could use a post ah. office to send things out, but no deliveries. Okay, so I retract my post office. Okay. Uh, I really thought you were about to like mail letters to to your friends. <laughs> no, I don't have enough of those for that. Um, <laughs> I think my first answer then is going to be a YMCA. Uh, I think it's going to get pretty lonely in this little town, and so I think just to combat the loneliness, um, I'm going to get a gym and just get super swole, kind of like prison. Uh, nothing else to do except for rep out some pull-ups. So my first answer is a YMCA. Uh, do you want me to keep going or do you want to give some of your answers? Uh, I say you keep going. Give us all four. I think YMCA is, okay. is a great answer. Uh, next, I'm going to go with a Walmart. Uh, and so I know that's it's kind of like a superstore, um, but I need groceries somewhere. Uh, and I think Walmart's just the most safe place to get a lot of groceries. Um, 
So I'm going to go Walmart. Next up, I'm going to go with a bookstore. Um, I think, you know, I love to read. Uh, I haven't read uh, the greatest beer run of all time, like Connor, but I do like to read other books. Uh, and so I think that would just give me a lot of peace walking through, having some books at my disposal. Um, that would be important to me. So that's going to be my third answer. Uh, and my fifth answer is going to be an airport. Uh, so I can, even though it's 12 hours for me to drive out of here, I can fly and get to some other places. It would still be a day trip, but that just saves me some time on the travel. So I think that one would be legal. Tell me if I'm wrong. On that. Yeah, I think that's a fair answer. I had never thought of it, but I, I think it's a fair answer. And if you're willing to, to waste one of your establishments on an airport, I, uh, I say more power to you. <laughs> oh, you don't like the airport? No, I think that's an awful answer. You only have four oh. things to do to keep yourself occupied. And right now you've got books and a gym and grocery shopping. I think uh, I think you'd get tired of that. Is all I'm saying. Also, Walmart. I would definitely choose a Super Target over it, or some other options. One option that I'm going to pick myself. But okay. Oh, well, hey, you enjoy your little four establishment town. I'll enjoy my plane rides to the Bermudas to visit friends and their places that have at least five or six establishments. Um, <laughs> so that'll keep me fresh when when the YMCA and the bookstore are getting boring. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, my my first pick is going to be similar to how you chose the gym to just keep yourself occupied, give yourself an activity. Mine's going to be a golf course. Um, This is something where you can go and it's four full hours every day. You could just play, keep yourself occupied, have fun. Um, I think a golf course is a lock for me. The other one, like you said, for groceries, I'm going to take a Sam's Club. I think you you can get a lot of things there, similar to most Walmarts, but you can get your TVs, you can get clothes, you can get any of those other things you might need, uh, plus all your groceries uh, at the Sam's Club. Then one other thing for me Bye. is is a sports bar. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things you can do from home. You can do everything you can do in a sports bar from home, but the feeling of just going somewhere else, having somebody else give you a beer, uh, sitting in a booth, having somebody bring you food, that's one thing you didn't account for. You're never going to be able to eat out. I think just getting able to eat out somewhere, um, having these things is a huge thing for me. And an NFL Sunday, college football Saturday, just going somewhere we can have a lot of games on, I think is huge. And my last thing is is controversial. I think you could include a gas station with Sam's Club, but I'm going to take a quick trip. Uh, sure, the gas Ooh. is great, but I have become a slut for a quick trip kitchen. These new ones with the hot foods, the pizza. You can can get these, like, I've been getting this Southwest chicken wrap and some, like, sliced apples. You can get all your drinks just quick, grab and go. Um, I love Quick Trip. You can get beer there easier. So just when you want something quick, you got the Quick Trip. If you need a lot, you can go to the Sam's Club. Push back on that. You know we're going to be putting this podcast, like, on the internet for other people to listen to, right? Dude. If anybody, woe is me for loving me a soft pretzel from the Quick Trip Kitchen. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if your if your law firm hops on the waves and hears you choose a gas station for one of your four four places to have in your town, you better hope that you got tenure by that point, buddy, because they might be questioning that legal mind of yours. Because because I, I, I want to say a few things because I thought about both the like restaurant bar and the gas station. I actually did. Um, as far as the restaurant bar goes, I just must be a 
clearly I'm a much better cook than you are if you're enjoying quick trip food. Uh, so I think I could survive off my own cooking for a long time. I kind of like cooking. Uh, also, I need to fill up the day somehow. So, so I don't think I would mind that part of it. Um, and I think I get used to that. As far as the gas station goes, that was originally on my top four because, you know, you need gas. But the more I thought about it, this town, you got four places. Do you really need to drive to all these places? How, how far spread out could they be? I think you could just walk. So I think that's a huge wasted pick on the gas. I'll let my airplanes take me wherever I need to go. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, and I want to make it clear. I'm, I'm picking Quick Trip primarily for the convenience aspect. It is just, it is God's gift to earth. And you mentioned my law firm. Dude, these guys go to Quick Trip too. They were the ones that put me on Quick Trip launches. I've always been a fan, but it's right by the office. It's so nice. Um, I can get my Zen there too. It's just a, a great establishment. So Quick Trip golf course, a sports bar, and a Sam's Club for me that's perfect because when you guys all grow a third eyeball from eating the the southwest chicken wraps from quick trip it'll be real easy to just straight into the class action lawsuit um i think that's 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 third degree chess there or third third dimensional chess right there yeah yeah one that neither of us had is a hospital but i think we're you know we're jocks we're we're physical specimens and <laughs> i don't think there's anything that'll really really make us go there you know yeah forces of nature who needs a hospital? We're, we're good to go. Any uh, other honorable mentions you had thought of? No, I liked the golf course. Uh, I thought about doing a course, um, but to be honest, when I had the post office option on there, I thought I could just um, order like all of the baskets and stuff I needed for a Frisbee golf course and build one myself. Um, so I might have to reconsider that. Uh, but I think my gym uh, with a basketball court with some weights, I think that's enough physical activity for me so no did you have any other honorable mentions no so the, that that was pretty much it. i was i really wanted to do like a a steakhouse or something to where you can just mm -hmm. go and get a nice meal but i thought that was too niche you know in my life today i only go to a steakhouse once every other month so it, it's just the the utilitarian aspect of that didn't didn't work into my equations so okay yeah um yeah, I like this. I think we'd both be pretty happy in our little poor establishment towns. Uh, so, you know, things get rough. Um, it's nice to know. Or things go really well and we have the money to be secluded from society. It's nice to know we have some good options going here. For sure, yeah. I'd love to come visit you and go to the bookstore. Yeah. Direct flights anytime. Come on. Come on down. <laughs> All right. And that's the end of our first hypothetical. That will conclude episode one of Jocks of All Trades. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Sometimes I have too many beers, which I gladly do, and which I fully embrace. Automatic. Still is. I liked beer. I still like beer. Automatic. Still is. But I did not drink beer to the point of blacking out. When I was in town... I spent much of my time working out, lifting weights, or hanging out and having some beers with friends. Animal House, Caddyshack, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Working out, lifting weights, too many beers. Automatic. Still is. Many nights I worked out with other guys. 
Maybe it was because I'm an only child and had no sisters. Many of us became friends with students at local Catholic all-girls schools. Amy, or Laura, or Megan, or Nikki. Sometimes I had too many beers, which I gladly do, and which I fully embrace. Working out, automatic. Blacking out, automatic. Catholic all-girls schools, automatic. Still is. 